0: And I think my favorite scene in this film is this scene where the neighbor opens oh, yes, the door totally. and he's like, "What's going on out here?" And Timothy Hutton turns with this crazy look on his face. He's like, "Murder? You want some?"
1: And he's like, the neighbor's like "Nope." Hey, shut the door. Shut the door. <laughs> Just let a murder go on in the hallway. Not going to pay attention and to that. It's New York horror movie survival guide is a weekly podcast
0: where two unlikely gorehounds delve into our horror movie notebook from college,
1: in which we meticulously kept track of every film we watched in the horror movie section of our local video store, in our quest to learn how to survive and to ensure we end up as As the the final final girl. Girl. Join Julia and Marion as we revisit the
0: classic and obscure horror VHS we viewed and logged in our notebook breaking each movie down one by one, seeking out over all the ghastly minutia, and ultimately illuminating the path to survival. Anna, also... one, Anna, two. <coughs> Anna, welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide, everyone. <gasps> hey, everyone. Uh, we are Julia and Marion. <laughs> we are. We are collectively. I'll just do it together. We'll just, hybrid mind. Why do I, why do it separately? <laughs> uh, Maureen,
1: we're here to talk about 1993's The Dark Half. This is episode 66. To, 66. 66. Good God, <laughs> 76. First time titled The Sparrows Are Flying Again. So this movie was made for 15 million dollars. Okay, it
0: made nine million. Oh, didn't do so good. Yeah. Uh, tagline. There are very good reasons to be afraid of the dark.
1: Yeah, That's it? That's it. Oh, I, I was expecting dot, dot, dot. No, 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 no. Like the it. next thing. No. Oh, okay. Is. All right.
0: Uh, so this film uh, was uh, based on a book written by Stephen King, mm-hmm. uh, but the screenplay was written and it's also produced and directed by George Romero. Oh,
1: okay. So he wrote the screenplay. Yes. Got it. Uh,
0: and it was filmed in 1991, but wasn't released till 1993 okay. because of uh, Orion was having problems financially oh got it so it was delayed got it um this film also has a tie-in movie adventure game for ms dos really Uh uh-huh
1: that's so that apparently is a
0: collector's item now because who plays with ms dos anything
1: interesting
0: but that's what they went with for this film um so this film we say it's written by stephen king but actually was written by richard bachman who Mm -hmm. is his alter ego um well the the book this is – the book is written by Stephen King, but yes. this movie is about his alter ego. So he –
1: So tell me the deal with this. So like basically he was writing books as Stephen King. Yes. And then also books were written by Richard Bachman, yes. which were different books, not horror films, but uh, not horror the,
0: books. They're, they're horror-ish because he only okay. wrote five as Richard Bachman. He did uh, The Long Walk, Rage, Roadwork, Thinner – and Running Man. Oh,
1: Thinner is written by Richard Bachman.
0: That was the last one ah, that was written by Richard Bachman right before he was outed as being Stephen King because it Got actually it. was, because um, I just read it this morning Um, and he, and he has a book, the, the, the Bachman books are released as one unit. Okay. And he talks about the, the preface about why he was Richard Bachman. And, and was, why does he say that was? Basically it was because they thought his publisher thought there would be like an overflux of Stephen King stuff and people would be burnt out on oh, him, okay. which is a joke because, you know, it's been yeah. 40 years and no One's burnt out, sure. But also the Richard Bachman books were a little more um, non-horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a little more like psychological thrillers, and the and Roadwork is not a is straight. Like he wanted to write like a straight novel. Oh, but okay. they were also not they were not promoted like Stephen King books were. And he was kind of curious to see mm. was it the work
1: yeah. or was it the name? Interesting. Okay. And then of
0: course, once everyone found out that Richard Bachman was Stephen King, all of his book scales went skyrocketing. So it Got kind it. of was the name. Okay. But he uh Stephen King struggled with addiction for a lot the beginning of his career. And oh, okay. the, right around the dark half is when he kicked drinking and drugs and like so there but he oh, okay. says like a lot of the, this book was based on his like Richard Bachman persona which mm. they like had an old alternate version of him Got it. Uh, that you know was like the darker bit that was a lot about drinking and drugs and stuff and so this Got book it. was about like breaking that and the Bangor... Uh, where he lives in Bangor, Maine, and mm-hmm. this the Bangor Daily News are the ones who broke the story that were like, "Oh, by the way, it's Stephen King." And then how Richard Bachman was dead, but he says that the next Richard Bachman book after Thinner was to be Misery, so that was supposed to be actually a Richard oh, Bachman and uh, actually it was Stephen
1: King. Yeah, you wonder how long he would have kept that thing going. Like, you know, a lot of authors had, do that. Actually, there's yeah. a few that are very prolific that have like three different. Pseudonym. Sure, yeah. they, get, they
0: get pigeonholed as this one thing, mm-hmm, and so they're the like, "Okay, okay like I want to do something else." Yeah, and then you see what it goes.
1: Well, and it's interesting too that like born out of that whole struggle thing is you have this book and then ultimately this film that's like so autobiographical obviously taken to the nth degree right. um, but that idea of uh, artists having a duality and struggling with duality and his like manifesting himself or he's creating under this whole different name and like what's that mean and what's the furthest that could go yeah. in a dark universe like I think that's really interesting
0: well, he's got some good ideas yeah King. I guess he's alright uh, so this uh, starts out we're starting <clears throat> starting in Castle Rock which mm-hmm. is uh, you know where a lot of his stories Take place where we have a young Thad uh, Beaumont Mm -hmm. who is writing in his bedroom and starts to freak out and hear birds fluttering and whatnot, and is taken to uh, the hospital where they are doing open brain surgery on him and find an eye in his brain, which opens. The beginning
1: of this movie is so like what, like, and it's great, like it's really great, but it's just like it are it starts in such a kind of fantastical and yet really. Like gross in kind of a real way. Like they, yeah, they basically they're doing brain surgery and they find an eye and the eye involuntarily opens. Right. And there's like this nurse that's in the room and she freaks out and runs. Everyone's like, all right, all right, try and be professional, everyone, try and be. And they're like, oh, you know how like people somehow like, un- like your body will, you know, if twins, one is on, un- you know, one develops fully and the other doesn't, that the body of the twin that didn't develop is absorbed into the body of the person that was. The kid that was born, and most of the, and some cases they do have to do a surgery to like remove that part, or you know it'll dissolve or whatever. And in this case, it just went up into his brain yeah. and created a little tumor, and that is a revolting idea. Like that's yeah, because so it's not, not only gross. an
0: eye; it also said they has the nostrils and teeth,
1: just which like, is, yeah, like yeah, you, like, like the, just, just, just like the
0: term like absorbed <laughs> the into face your that system. Carrie's
1: making right now is all everything. I feel yeah, it's, it's pretty gross. It's like the first, and also like the beginning of this film was supposed to take place in nineteen sixty eight. So it's like the first five minutes of the film. Yeah. And you're just like,
0: wow. What? Wow movie. But wow. then then it, then it kind of like even ups it a little bit there because then the nurse who had freaked out goes outside and sees this swarm of sparrows going bananas yeah. and just starting hitting the windows. It's a, all, the bird footage in this movie. It's great. I mean, I know it's going to get
1: composite later, but in the beginning, like mm-hmm. really impressive. So much bird it footage. Is. It's a lot of bird footage. Yeah. No. So it's, a, so the whole thing, so it has this element of like that happened and then you see, it's sort of like when you kind of, you know, kind of get bad news back to back. You're almost like, okay, what's going on? It has that feeling like there's something kind of cursed going on yeah, or something. Yeah, we found
0: this thing in the kids' kids' brain, and then all these birds started freaking out. And like, what That's is happening? Not good. Let's fast forward, shall we? Twenty-three years later, mm-hmm. to where we have our Mister Beaumont, who is now a professor, mm-hmm. uh, teaching a class and talking about duality and yeah. about your who is your inner voice versus your outer self, and yes. everybody's actually two people. And maybe this will come in handy later, talking about relevant subjects, right? Yes. But this is very, very clear. Yeah, this is
1: the thing that Strange Invader should have done and did not do. Yes. Um, but this film does it. Um, Thaddeus Beaumont is now played by Timothy Hutton, um, and yeah, I do like that he has the the duality that he talks about. Is he gives these adjectives to describe the inner self and the outer self. And the uh, the inner self, is, or so the outer being, is uh, inhibited, timid, and very often a liar. And that the inner being is passionate, truthful, and lustful. Um, and a fiction writer can let the inner being out. Otherwise, everything that you'll write will be a pack of lies. Um, and I'm like, oh, that's got, it's very Hemingway-esque in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, mm-hmm. um, which I kind of enjoyed. Um, and you, so you meet not only, but he seems very clean cut. Honestly, kind of the college professor that I wish Strange Invaders had, where uh-huh. it's similar. Like, there's yeah. a lot of, there's a, like, a, you definitely like a yuppie kind of thing going for him, you know? But he has this kind of, you know, like he's this really normal dude, you yeah. know, who just, you know, has kind of these interesting sort of academic thoughts about writing and all this kind of stuff. And you, you know, you see him in the beginning of the film. Um, his wife, Liz, played by Amy Madigan, is reading sort of the last page of something that he she's re- recently ri- uh, written. And he she's like, no, it's really good. And, you know, they seem very just like normal and just like your average people. And he's a writer trying to do the best they can. They have two twin boys or, you know, babies. boy and and a girl. They always always
0: make pains to dress one in pink and one in blue. Oh, okay. So it has to be one of one of the other. But But they have twin babies
1: and they're like, you know, just, you know, really trying to make a go of it and, you know, whatever. But everything aside from the beginning of this film feels very wholesome and normal. Well, they do
0: live, they they are now living in Ludlow, Maine, which Mm -hmm. is where uh, the family creeds live in Pet Sematary. So is that kind of similar? Like, we meet the family everything's going well yes and
1: what could possibly go wrong yeah um but then this guy after uh his class this guy approaches him and asks for uh Thaddeus's autograph for a George stark authored book um and he's or it features the character George Stark. and he's like uh that's that's not me I didn't I didn't write that he's like yeah, you did. And he's like, mm, come into my office. And basically, much like your story, um, this creepy guy, Fred, is basically, look, I know you write these books. And I know that, you know, this isn't like your persona that everyone else knows about you. But you're the one who writes the stuff. Some of the stuff's pretty fucked up. And unless you pay me money, I'm totally going to out you. Um, and that's when you kind of see the beginning of uh, Thad kind of like threatening him but kind of in a well because he cause not then, a well
0: it is though because Fred's like oh are you are gonna put me in your book now and he's like yeah and I'm gonna make you suffer before you die
1: but it's coming out of like Timothy Hutton's sweet face so you know so that's the thing it's like it's like he's saying it but there's you don't really feel the menace of it you're just like oh, oh that went a bit far but it's not like yeah he's he means not threatening it. Like, he's just yeah. saying it very
0: matter-of-factly
1: and Fred you can tell is a little unsettled by it but it's not really scared it's just kind of like because he's just oh, a okay. college professor guy like yeah, what's he gonna like, do really you're gonna do that to me like okay um, um, he's like, so I'm going to go back to New York City and you think about my blackmail. Which out. is an
0: odd move for a blackmailer. <laughs> Normally, you're just like cash up front, man. Like yeah. Like right now. Right now. I'm not going to go back to New York first. Yeah. but
1: Okay. Yeah. But that, that's his move. He's, he's an amateur
0: blackmailer. First time blackmailer. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah. You uh, make mistakes. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a rookie move.
0: Um, Speaking of rookie moves, Liz, when we go back home, has been cooking a turkey that fails spectacularly.
1: Yeah. Just falls
0: apart in the most de- terrific way. And I love that this turkey's going to come back in later. Yeah. You're like, oh, turkey fail. Why does I have to do anything We'll come back to that. Turkey. But
1: again, I like the time is taken in the film for, you know, sometimes like we've talked about unlikely marriages, unlikely friendships, unlikely relationships. Um, I like that it's it's so bad. It's a really bad affair. Like it can't be saved. And he's like, no, no, it's it's good. Like, we'll eat it. Like, really delicious. <laughs> and they just look at each other and start laughing because it's so bad. Um, And I enjoyed that because I feel like it's like little things like that, that later on, when the shit really hits the fan and you're really rooting for this couple, it's stuff like that that makes you want to, you know, um, want them to succeed and want them to win. And I will give credit to um, Amy Madigan who pops up now and again in these films that we've been covering. There's something about her that I really enjoy that she's got this like kind of spunky, tomboyish energy. Mm -hmm. And I feel like otherwise, sometimes these wife roles can be really ultra cliche, ultra, you know, and she has none of that about her. And so I always enjoy when she kind of pops up in these movies because I feel like later when the bad guy is threatening her or whatever, she's not taking it like she Mm -hmm. is not even though she's fully like stay-at-home mom like she's not having it Um, sure don't fuck
0: around with me or my kids yeah and so
1: yeah I feel like this movie is very well cast
0: Um, oh no I agree Um, so then they decide she has this great idea where she decides well this guy's trying to blackmail you how about we just go to the press ourselves and tell him the truth and so he calls his agents and the agents say go for it Mm -hmm. Uh, his cute little agents yeah and um, Rick and and Miriam yeah
1: who are like divorced but they still work together and they're just like casually getting divorced like yeah that didn't work out we're opposites okay so let's go back down to work Uh like they're they're kind of great
0: they are kind of great and so they uh they arrange for him to be interviewed by a guy from people magazine who's Mm going to come do this interview and he's we have a shot of him like reading horrible portions of his of george stark's books out loud to him yeah and uh which liz is not keen on like i I like that the kids are in
1: the car like they're too
0: young but still but i
1: like that liz kind of in the early days of this is sort of like yeah, I mean, maybe it's not so bad to like give up George Stark because she says something like, You don't really know what you're what you're like when you're writing him. Like there's something about you. It's like watching Jekyll turn into Hyde. Where you're drinking and you're mean and like he's becoming moods. he's like a method writer. Like yeah. he's fully, you know, becoming doing it. George Stark. Yeah. And she's like, Yeah, I mean it gave us like the sweet house and our sweet cabin and everything, but like I'm not too sad to see the back of him.
0: But I like that uh, you know, right off the gate, Thad Beaumont says to this writer where who's reading him this this portion from his book, says, I hope you're not looking for any social significance because there isn't any to be found. Mm-hmm. So right off, they're like, okay, well, we're just going to scratch that off the top of that. Yeah. If you're looking for it, nope, not nope. here. This isn't the thing for you. Um, and then we have the most adorably... Gruesome and strange photographer Homer Gamash, yeah. who is this adorable <laughs> little man? What's his last name? Gma- Gamash.
1: Wow, what a name! That's All a right. good Stephen
0: King name. It's a good Stephen um, King Who has his says his hobby is he takes pictures of teddy bears in coffins because it's uh, America's version of death.
1: <laughs> what is what,
0: American way of death?
1: Oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, okay, and then comes up with this this great plan where they're going to take pictures of George Stark's grave, which happens to be on the very plot that is. Beaumont's plot yeah so it's like really standing over it's his kind of creepy yeah it's a little
1: creepy but, but he's so charming and like goofy you yeah can't really and he's say very no. like small town photographer you know like this is a guy who basically does like you know weddings and you know the occasional prom shoot and that's how he makes his living and like he's the town's only photographer so everyone knows him so he's allowed to be a weirdo and whatever um i also like too that you know when they're kind of they go to the um cabin where they're gonna do all this stuff and i like that um thad kind of shows mike the people magazine writer like the room and his process for writing as George. He's like, he writes in black pencils when he's writing for George, but he has a typewriter when he's writing for him. And it's just like this, you know, like, yeah, this is like, these are his props. These are my props. And Mm -hmm. this is, but like, they're very separate in his, uh, in his mind. And I like that the, the writers kind of like, Okay, like that's kind of weird, but maybe schizophrenia,
0: yeah. Like, like yeah, he
1: kind of brings that up, and I like that. That's like, no, like, he doesn't like that. Like, he doesn't like any idea that any of this is like weird or unnatural. Like, I, I, what I enjoy about the Thad character is that he's he, to me, he feels like somebody who is like, I got a handle on it, like, I'm totally in control of this mm-hmm. whole situation. Like, when everyone else
0: it. is kind of going, like, maybe you don't have it under control, it's man. It's a little weird, like, he's you think like, you do but you do, it's fine,
1: don't. yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. But I like like that as sort of like that's kind of the obstacle that, you know, for our kind of our final guy, final like that's the thing that he has to relinquish is this idea of like how he controls how this whole situation goes down because it's not not quite what he wants it to be. Sure. Yeah.
0: So then we have a Homer driving along merrily at 1 a.m. who sees a hitchhiker who's like, what? But then stops because it looks like Mm -hmm. Thad. Yeah. But isn't Thad. Yeah. uh, Gets pulled out of the car and we uh, find him beaten to death with his own wooden leg. leg. Yeah. It's a bad way to go. It's not
1: a good way to go. But they bring in
0: the sheriff, who is Alan Pingborn, who Uh is a sheriff who shows up in several of is Stephen he King's. Needful
1: Things. He's
0: in Needful Things and he's now in Castle Rock. Oh really? Uh-huh. That's interesting. So I love I love the shared Stephen King universe. Yeah,
1: it is a lot of fun. She um. says
0: with the biggest smile on your face. <laughs> Glee. <laughs> I
1: love it. Delightful. Um so yeah, and then the sheriff also gets called by um the caretaker slash gravedigger of the local cemetery that says someone has dug his way out of a grave and the sheriff comes and looks at it and he's like it's a it's a hole in the ground like i'm mean, he's like no no but look but look there's handprints someone dug their way out and then he goes back and finds they find homer's body and you know beating to death with his own leg and i all really that like
0: that uh the sheriff leans down you know because they're like okay you can kill an old guy and whatever but why why beat him to death with his own leg good question and he says why this i hope i get to find out so mm-hmm. it's like, I, w- I hope I get a chance to ask you, yeah. like talking to the killer, whoever it is, Yeah, like we're going to talk about this at some yeah. point. And also I'm what is wrong him. with you? What yeah. is wrong with you? Oh,
1: why would you do this? Um, And the the truck, Homer's truck is also gone. So um, we see that uh, briefly he just got back from uh, a trip to New York um, where he's been, you know, kind of doing interviews and all this kind of stuff about uh the outing of George Stark. And the sheriff shows up at his house to arrest him. Um, But he's like, but I just got back from New York. What are you talking about? And he's like, Homer's dead. We found the truck and your bloody fingerprints are in his truck and they're like what what are you talking about i don't know what you mean um and then you have this uh dream sequence <laughs> which mm-hmm. i when it started i was like all right dream sequence um where he go is going to the cabin and there's like a you, there's like elements of the that we've seen in the film so far kind of show up like he walks into the cabin and um, a vase that he had knocked over earlier gets broken again on its own. And there's like this oven that splits open. And you see a turkey inside that rips itself open and like all this gross blood comes out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not Turkey yeah. blood. No, I don't. Yeah, it's gross. It's Happy like a Thanksgiving. Yeah, <laughs> it well, Yeah, I felt that way. And I was like, Ooh, a little bit th- of Thanksgiving. And you hear just the spoken word part of Are You Lonesome Tonight? Mm -hmm. Like that bit that Elvis says where it's like, Honey, you lied when you said you love me. Like that whole (laughs) bit.
0: Um,
1: I like that that's a reoccurring bit. Yes. I don't know what it's about. But I like that the spoken word part of that song, like that's so random. What a random thing to put. But it is kind of creepy in that context. And so... um, and so yes, and so he sees the his his boot his shoes go by something and then Stark's boots go by something and then he kind of wakes up in a pattern, uh, in a panic.
0: But he sees the the crazy uh it's Liz, but she's got a Chinese vase pattern for her face. Yes. And then that explodes open and yep. then she's got a skeleton underneath. Yep.
1: Okay. Okay. And dream. We've talked about that. Um, Uh, And then we (laughs) uh, find... The cops go to go see Fred because once uh, the cops show up to arrest uh, Thad for this murder, he's like, look, this guy's been blackmailing me. I bet he's in on it, trying to ruin my life. So they, they have this scene where they go to fred's apartment this landlady or whoever the hell she is wow like this lady's amazing like the trashiest new york uh and
0: she's so great because they go into the apartment and his uh, they show it tastefully you know but uh they thad had mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. how he would like to cut his penis off and put it in his mouth because that's what you do to squealers yep so you have the first two cops come in and just immediately running out like they're gonna throw up up. yeah and the landlady's just like,
1: But I've I like seen that, worse. I also like that she looks at it like, oh, well, who's going to pay the rent now? Like, and she's just like, <laughs> who's going to clean this up? His junk is in his mouth, lady. And she's just like, ah, oh, the rent. You know, she's been a
0: New York landlady for too long. <laughs> oh so, yeah,
1: I was like, wow. But uh, written
0: in blood on the wall mm-hmm. is the sparrows are flying again. Yeah, which uh, Thad has blanked out in mm-hmm. some sort of writing trance and written in large block letters over one pencil it, in pencil, mm-hmm.
1: which is what he uses to write for George. Um, So suspicious, yeah. And so the sheriff comes. Alan comes back to the house with a with some beers. That's like, okay, look. So that guy's dead, and P.S. He died the way that you threatened him with. Um, and uh, and basically tells him also about uh the spirit that the um what was written on the wall, and uh, Dad realizes that he wrote that in his dream. So he starts kind of putting together these parallels of like things. Things that he's writing are like manifesting itself, right. and like there's more to this other than like a crazy person trying but to find every,
0: me. everything's pointing to you, Tad. Right, everything. And
1: Liz is, thinks that maybe this thing's like another brain tumor, like maybe something's wrong with him, and he needs to he needs to deal with that. Um, but we get to meet probably my favorite character in this whole movie, um, which is uh, Julie Harris, uh, who plays Reggie, his like college professor friend who smokes a pipe. Uh, in this movie, like a kind of like a Sherlock Holmes style mm-hmm. pipe, like that, that one that like, droops down. Um, she's so great. I love her so much in this movie and she just kind of shows up to be um, like information to kind of like, you know, give him the next bit that he needs to mm-hmm. kind of go along. But she's such a, she's like that kind of college professor I wish I had, like the super quirky you know not really she's never really scared in the movie or thrown by anything it's just all kind of like as an academic exercise yeah like, oh, and yeah. even if it was
0: him she'd be kind of interested by it like yeah. not scared of him or yeah. anything just be like okay yeah all right let's talk about do that do you
1: think you killed these people huh well let's examine that let's yeah. you know <laughs> I think she's a hoot and she's really fun um
0: so then we get a, a Miriam who is one of his agents her death scene which is super intense yeah it's so really we gross. haven't actually we have seen George Stark bits in him. bits of him mm-hmm. um and but have not actually seen him Yet but we see him come into Marion's apartment and force him first her to call that on the phone. Yeah. So this is our first, first instance of thinking they're not the same person because he's right. actually in a different place and at a you had seen him
1: just before then where he's like doing another ghost writing thing where he's just writing razor, 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 razor mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Um, and Miriam has a when Miriam is attacked, uh, he's threatening her with a razor. But he has that they have that shot where he bends down into frame and you see that it's totally Timothy Hutton in like this crazy makeup job where it's like they they gave him like kind of a. Like a bit of a more forehead mm-hmm. and like some crazy eyebrows. He not he's not supposed to be, but he
0: looks yes, yes. very very similar to the descriptions of Randall Flag in Stephen King's book, where oh, really? it's like cowboy boots, belt buckle, kind of slick back hair, really tan, like The Mississippi
1: accent. Yeah, or, okay. it's all
0: very kind of Flag, but it's not Flag. Oh, so it's, it's it's a very specific aesthetic. Oh, okay. uh, but he just y- it, you can tell it's him, but you
1: can't. Like yes. everything's
0: different. His, it makes
1: you think about it. You're like, I think that's him, but he looks just different enough. Or you're like, is it? but uh, i i mean all all props to Timothy Hutton who like he smiles different yeah. the way
0: his mouth moves when he talks different uh-huh. like he's really going for the two yeah. separate people thing and no, he, he does a really good job Yeah. so Miriam has this intense scene where she <sighs> calls screaming throat slit Yeah. Uh, and then so so Thad's like he's going to go after all of these these are the people he's going to go after I can tell you who he will go after and yeah. I can give you a description kind of of what he is but I don't know for sure which
1: makes the sheriff really speci- like uh, suspicious because he's like you can describe this guy but you can't tell me who he is and he's mm-hmm. like Yes. It's George Stark. <laughs> it's George
0: Stark. That's it's, what I'm telling you. It's and the
1: made up guy,
0: Pangborn's like, um, he doesn't exist.
1: Probably not. That's not a thing. Uh,
0: we get another. This is a another very Suspiria like. Lit lit scene um, of Mike when he's oh the right, the People Magazine writer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where you have a lot of like red blue light hallway action he gets I his that too. his ponytail sliced off yeah. <laughs> uh, no my, my, my
1: powers
0: <laughs> <laughs> well as soon as I saw that ponytail I was like Ugh. that I'm thing's got to go I'm so got to go Stark
1: felt the exact same way <laughs> yes
0: and I think my favorite scene in this film is this scene where the neighbor opens oh, yes, the door totally. and he's like what's going on out here and timothy hutton turns with this crazy look on his face he's like murder you want some and he's like, <laughs> and he like nope <laughs> shut the door, shut the door.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just let a murder go on in the hallway not gonna pay attention that to is that it's new york yeah um and yeah basically he kicks mike in the head to death um and then whistles as he walks down the hallway just Dang. you know whatever um so uh Stark uh, uh calls Rick the publisher and is basically like, I'm coming for your next, your next, um just to scare the bejesus out of him. Um and uh Liz tells the sheriff basically, which sounds crazy that Thad thinks that George has come to life in real life and he just has to sort it out and the sheriff is just like, the more, I feel like the more she talks the more he's like, it's Thad, it's yeah, just that. like you're just trying to protect your husband, like this is you're not helping, like you just sound so crazy um, but Rick returns home uh, and they have like cops that are there to protect him but those cops are already dead mm-hmm. uh, and Thad kill. Um, George kills Rick slits his throat and says, "Yeah, it's a cutthroat business but I'm, See, but this kind of like, <laughs> but this, it wasn't lame. No, um, yes. this
0: kind of one-liners I'm okay with. Yeah. Like, why is it so lame and shocker? But this, I'm like, eh, he says him, but I'm kind of because buy it
1: didn't start with it. I yeah. feel like if the first time we saw him, it was like glib one-liner. Then it's like you know you've just knocked the wind out of his sails. But, but because I feel like Timothy Hutton is all in on mm-hmm. playing this, you know, the, the duality of these two guys and this Hyde persona of George is is frightening. And he, you see him frightening. Early on, and then later, it's like you can tell the character's enjoying himself. Yeah. But I feel like that has to come later, mm-hmm. and I think that was always the problem we have with Shocker. Is I felt like it started with the one liners, and then you're like, nope, nowhere to go with nowhere this. to go. Yeah.
0: So Thad, uh is, is 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 gets a goes to a convenience store where the phone rings for him. Yeah. And it's it's George. So then they have this it's kind like, of I'm coming for you. The beginning of this kind of convert like these phone conversations where mm-hmm. they're having with each other. Where he's George is just like I'm going to
1: kill you, and he's like, uh no, you're not. Probably not. I also like though the habit that starts happening when the phone rings and Thad knows that it's George. So he'll answer the phone being like, hi, George. Yeah. Like, what do you always know? You know? know, he knows. Mm-hmm. Um, And I, I kind of like that again, because it's it's strange, too, because there must be this part of him that's like he knows this is true. But there's part of him that's like because he knows people are dying. Yeah, he knows this must be true. But there's like there's no way this is true. I made you up. Right. Like, how can you be? Real if I've made you up. So I like that again because Thad's a character that has a great deal of self-control and feels like he has a handle on everything. But I think for him, in order, sort of like with, you know, Nancy and other characters, that they have to realize they have to go it alone in order to defeat it. I think for Thad it's like he has to let that control go. Mm. Like that's how he's gonna get out of this. So it's like you gotta let it go, man. Like I know you think you made him up, so it can't be real, but like it don't matter. It's right. happening. Well, you know? and we
0: have the sparrows of flying again which is the reference to the noises that he hears every time George is nearby, yeah. which is just sparrows and birds and whatnot.
1: And I think he heard that in the flashback in the beginning of the yes. film before he had before his like, he headaches. Before he had his, mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, and so he goes to see...
1: Well, first, I feel like the share um, the, that you start having that this kind of the the buildup of everyone starts everyone kind of starts going a bit mad. We're like the sheriff pulls a gun on his wife accidentally because she's so like kind mm-hmm. of touchy. And then like Liz starts freaking out with the babies. We're like the babies are crying and she's shown to be a great mother. But she's like, shut up, shut up, shut up. You know, everyone starts kind of losing their mind a little bit. But. Thad has that. um, I think there's that great scene where he has that exercise where he tries to make himself write as George, Mm -hmm. where he gets the pencil and he's just like, okay, okay, okay. And I feel like Timothy Hutton's really good at doing the um, like space out, let my body be taken over, ghost writing, acting. I don't know what kind of acting you call that, but it's like your brain goes someplace else and you start writing all this crazy crap Um, and he starts uh, having a conversation with his own writing which I think is really interesting Mm -hmm. where like he'll talk and then the answer will be written and then he'll talk and then the answer will be written and that's such a cool idea. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like it a lot but of course it all leads up to him freaking out and stabbing himself in the hand with the pencil.
0: Which then we cut to George Stark who has also stabbed himself in the hand with a pencil to Mm -hmm. make uh, Thad do the same thing. Yep. But then he does that cool thing with his boot. He like slides. I knew you would love that. I
1: saw that too. (laughs) I rewound to watch that thing because i was like that is such a cool move yeah
0: and you're like julia I would like that yeah slides the boot the bottle off the table with his boot and yeah. then catches it and, and, catches and pours it. pours alcohol over his hand he'd be like yeah. take it like a man that's
1: how badass i am <laughs> disinfected him with whiskey and then just keep going about my business yeah um but yeah, yeah i like
0: i like his nonchalant killer kind of like he takes it all in stride that kind of like low mississippi drawl yeah. kind of
1: it's very, like, he enjoys it a little bit, but it's very functionary, mm-hmm. like the killing. Where it's like, I just, you're not doing the thing I want to do, so I have to kill all these people. Yes. And it's just, if you would just play ball, I could just stop razoring people, but <laughs> you won't.
0: Uh, so Thad decides to go back to the doctor who examined him when he was a boy yeah. back in Castle Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh and that all goes terribly wrong. Well, because it seemed unclear that somehow he
1: was never told that a a twin was excised out of him.
0: No, I don't think he was ever told. Like her. he was, was told it was like, a oh, tumor. Had a a brain tumor.
1: I mean, I guess you probably shouldn't tell a 13 year old that. Maybe not. But also he was like, what? Like there was a there was a twin in my head. What? You know? And he was Mm-mm. like, oh, yeah. Um, and he has a line, too, where he says, uh, the doctor says, it was like we took because he talked about how he would hear all the birds all the time. And he says, it was like we took the sound out of your head and it came to life mm-hmm. um which i will say that the one of the criticisms i have about this film is that it's a you know what exactly george is is a little wishy-washy i feel like they try and kind of have it a little bit both ways where there's this Who's george a uh, uh, george, uh, george shark yeah oh, okay. where you have this kind of like realistic side of it where that's like well you know we found this twin that was up in your head and that was part of you that we had to take right. it out and we buried it in the cemetery and so it's like okay so So George was kind of this literal thing. But then you have this whole kind of separate idea, which seems separate of that you created him, that he is the duality within yourself. And you wanted him. I think Reggie says later that, you know, you wanted him to be real so much that you made him be real. But I feel like the movie, I I feel like those ideas don't totally overlap. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this doctor scene, it seems like a little, it's sort of like the former where it's sort of like, you know, yeah, there's maybe more of a medical reason for this. Like maybe he was actually your twin. Which doesn't totally make sense, but I don't know.
0: It's it's always a it's always a read the book you know before you watch the movie kind of kind of deal kind of so it's so, probably know. clearer. Well, this book did very, very well. Oh, okay. Um, so th- this was like one of the top-selling books of that year. So, Oh, th- so
1: if they went into it with the book in mind, yes. then, okay, got I it. I think
0: that may be why okay. it didn't I could see do it. And, and this strikes me as like, I haven't I haven't read this book, but it does strike me as the kind of story that works very well on paper because you can yeah. be in both people's heads at the mm-hmm. same time, but not so well when it comes to film. Yeah. Um. Although, you know, Stephen King was direct, working directly with Romero to credit. To, and they a lot of people say that this is one of the most faithful transfers of a, yeah, book. I but I feel s- like if I, we if we had more backstory on everybody, it yeah. might be a little clearer.
1: I and I will say it feels like a very thoughtful screenplay to yeah. me. I feel like any problems you sort of have with the story or, or the film itself are not really screenplay oriented. I think it's more like concept, like yeah. what exactly is George? Mm-hmm. And honestly. It, I don't know if it hugely matters so much because I feel like Timothy Hutton's doing such a great job with both characters that you're just like, wee along <laughs> with the ride. But it's a little bit when they kind of get to the point of the part of the movie where they were going to explain what it is in order for Thad to figure out how to beat it. I feel like they kind of try and have it both ways, yeah. and it's a little confusing. Sure,
0: uh, he does go to see uh, Reggie too, and she gives him a little explanation mm-hmm. about the sparrows. Yeah, uh, she said she had looked which them up. Which I think is interesting. In one of her books, uh, says that they are psychobombs, which are and they which means those who conduct, which is a great word. It is a great word, mm-hmm. um, and it says that the sparrows are supposed to be bringing souls to and from uh, the land of the dead.
1: Mm-hmm so that's why he always so, yeah okay, cool idea yeah but again that makes me feel like this whole thing is meant to be more supernatural right you know so it's like so the sparrows with the tumor but, and your, the twin. but, but George
0: then does have a soul if they're coming to take him away his soul away right so so
1: the soul is from the dead twin in your brain
0: uh, I don't know I don't know but if, he's, if he is created out of imagination he still has a soul so that's right. pretty impressive either way that's kind of cool and I like that Reggie in, it gives him his, her little pep talk yeah and tells him that she so wishes great. she had a talisman or a silver bullet yes or I love that A stake to drive through the monster's heart, but she doesn't have anything to give him, and yeah, he's like, it's okay. Yeah, it's you not gave that... me you gave me your knowledge, and yeah, that's all I need. But
1: I like too that she has the idea where it's just like you know, it's she says it's not that simple, yeah, like it's you know, it's not these things are more complicated, and you're gonna have to. Um, and also, I, she makes this joke where like he drives away, and she's like, so you know, hope I, next time I see you, I hope that everything's worked out. And then she says, wear a red carnation, so I know it's you. <laughs> <And> <laughs> not your evil, like, not your evil twin. It's <laughs> like it's a pretty good evil twin joke. <laughs> I like that. Um, Reggie's so cool. I love her so much. Um, so George is also looking more and more terrible as the film goes on. Um, He's kind of disintegrating. Definitely. We're like the eyes are getting cloudy and like, like bloodshot. Pulls and, one of his own teeth out. The face is falling apart. And there's a this really gross scene. Um, and there's a this movie goes to a very gross place. But it the gross scene where he has that cut on his eye mm-hmm. and he starts poking at it yep. till blood comes out. And I'm like, stop. Sticking your finger in your wound. Sometimes it's like the little things in horror films. Yeah. More than like the big. Sure.
0: Pulling the, your teeth out's pretty gross too. Yeah. Because they is. always do the noise. It's like the noise of pulling your tooth out and then he throws it on the floor. Yeah. And there's like the, the sound guy who's like, okay, we're we going to use for this. How are we going to yeah. do the tooth <laughs> no. on the floor? Here it we go. It sounds like a
1: tooth on the floor. Um, <laughs> um. But he's kidnapped Liz and the babies because uh, Thad has called them. Once the doctor's been killed, Thad has called Liz and is like, get out, get out, get out. Uh, but don't tell me where you're going. Um, Because if
0: George knows, I know. Correct. Which is also a cool idea. Mm
1: -hmm. Very cool idea. Um, But unfortunately, the cops have uh, uh, placed like a bug on their phone to record all the calls. And so the police totally know what's up.
0: And they're like, you're not going anywhere. Right. You're going to stay right here.
1: Right. Um, But George is able to show up, murder some cops and take her and the twins away back to the cabin uh, where they were doing the whole photography session at the beginning of the film. Um, And so she's tied up. And uh, I like that, you know, she's tied up. And he's sort of doing his like bad guy monologue, right? Where it's like, you know, if you guys would just let me.
0: He says, am I, it was so great. You were disturbing the peaceful frame of mind I am in.
1: <laughs> Which is great. Yeah. That's a good lip smacking villainy. That's yeah, so good.
0: Um, but she's not scared at all. No, she's I love like... that
1: she's like, dream on, motherfucker. Like yeah. when he's like, look, you know, we'll, if that, you know, we'll continue, we'll all just continue on our merry way. He'll write for me so I can, you know, continue my life. Everything will be great. Just play ball, Liz. Just play ball. She's not having it. Not having it. Um, and I enjoyed that there's there's so much gumption in this film I really enjoy (laughs) you know what I mean people are so sassy and and just like no like just it's a a very kind of brave cast of characters Mm -hmm. you know and I feel like often they want the movies like if the characters are really scared that'll make you more scared and I don't know if that's entirely true and I like how all these characters are like very a very brave group of people Mm -hmm. you know uh, so it's
0: time for the showdown, showdown.
1: Mm-hmm. Thad
0: and George yeah. in hats and glasses.
1: Yeah. And I like, that are <laughs> hats
0: and glasses, which is weird. It's like, Oh, this is just making it easier for you, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Um, and yeah, they basically show up, and there's a lot of like Timothy Hutton acting opposite Timothy Hutton because they're in the same room for the first time. Um, and yeah, basically George says that Thad owes him. Um, and you have to,
0: he's going to die if he doesn't get, if he doesn't keep writing. Yeah. So you you'd b- write
1: your one last story or else I'm going to murder all of them. Um, every single one. Including these cute little twins over here,
0: so they get to like split up the twins. Each has one. Yes. Who's he going to save? Uh-huh. Uh huh. And uh, they start writing, uh, they, writing.
1: They, they go they into have the room. They go into
0: the room, and there's like a lot of like gun pointed towards baby. That's like, I'm going to yeah. kill your baby, and right. he's like, All right, I'll fucking write the story for you. Yeah. Please don't kill my baby. Please
1: don't kill my baby. And then he gets George to start writing for himself. Like he has the pencil, and George is starting to write it. And as George is writing. Thad starts looking worse. Mm -hmm. um, As if it's killing him because now he doesn't exist. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like they can switch roles, presumably. And I was like, that's an interesting power. And
0: this, uh, when when I do read read this book, this is the part I'm excited to read. because I'm sure this face off in the book is amazing. Yeah. Because it's it's kind of like a
1: battle of wills. Like who believes in themselves more? Right. Like do you believe in your identity more than I do? Because if so, then I can usurp your identity. And like that's kind of cool because he starts getting bruises on his face and starts looking terrible. But then uh Thad decides he's going to go for the gun which of course George knows that he's going to do because they're the same um, and they have a big old fight about it. Um, They kick each
0: other in the nuts. Yep. Uh,
1: I had to do, but they do. Um, Thad stabs George in the neck with a pencil three which, times, <laughs> which is like there's like five pencil stabs in this movie. I'm yeah. like, how many pencil stabs do you? Re- a
0: lot of pencil stabs. A lot of pencil. But stabs. here's my problem: uh, is a is a f- horror movie. So I got a good tip. Uh-huh. If you stab somebody three times in the neck with a pencil, don't assume they're dead from that. I know because he just falls over. And you're like, oh, I killed him. You're like, no, you didn't kill him. And
1: then he like turns his back towards him and like uh. was dealing with the twins. And I'm like, Thaddeus, Thaddeus, three,
0: three pencil stabs in the neck will kill no one.
1: Not enough. Not enough. Um, Um, uh, so but the, as you know, Liz is trying to get out and she spent
0: the last like hour and a half trying to get out of this fucking chair.
1: (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Um, but the bird, the sparrows start showing up and they basically, it's like, it's very, feels very much like the birds, like that and kind of end sequence in the birds. And they cover the house so much that it's just little flickers of light are being let in bit by bit. And they start poking the shit out of the house to be, they want in and George made, is scared of them.
0: And they've made a point to say that the room that he writes in doesn't have any windows. Mm-hmm. So they start breaking, all the birds start breaking into the windows where Liz is in the big house but there's no windows so they have to part poking their way through the walls. Yeah. And like so they over fart, shelves. And fart, they finally
1: come flying in yeah. and peck George to death. And this, I did not see all the scene Really? At all. It was so gross, the bits I did, because yeah it's like he's standing there and again they're sparrows, right? So you're just like, how scary? Pretty scary. Yeah. And they peck his face through his flesh all the way to his skull through his skull and it's just you can just see them ripping out bits of this man's face mm-hmm. and no one's a George Stark fan here but you're just like that's not a good way to go it's real and he's just screaming and whatever yeah it's and then they like, they like
0: fly his skeleton away and right. then and then this is where it's a little fuzzy because then it's like thousands of sparrows flying into a big giant purple cloud in the sky that disappears
1: yes
0: the end movie
1: <laughs> yeah that did happen
0: i go oh interesting so they yeah they took a soul away okay we got that right and uh everybody's happy right okay
1: all right great uh,
0: everyone wins yay. it feels just
1: like cinderella <laughs> you know the birds fly in the dark is a lot like cinderella and then and uh, at the end they go the end <laughs> Dun, da, da. that's what i imagine <laughs> sorry I, it falls every time <laughs> we love okay. you terry it's okay um, it's fine it's gonna go right to my lap do you mind look Okay, so gore factor is one, not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two, a puddle of blood. Three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer. We can hear that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I guess we can hear that. Um, Four, bathtub of blood, and five is run for the barf bag. Um, And you and I, if I go back,
0: gave this a four for gore, which is a bathtub of blood. I stand by that, which is pretty much solely for the face pecking off. So gross.
1: Yeah, and all the pencil (laughs) stabs. I mean,
0: the deaths are pretty good. You get a lot of razor blade throat slit. Type stuff.
1: Yeah, and just people being really, really, sc- yeah, and people being really scared and like throat slit, throat slit. Yeah. Um, uh,
0: movie rating, zero to five. Chainsaws. One, if you're desperate. Two, belly qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby. And five is fantastic oracle. We gave the dark half a three and a half, both of us, mm-hmm. which is uh, seen worse, seen better, and a little bit more. Yeah. I would say you know you got Stephen King, you got George Romero, mm-hmm. and you got Timothy Hutton giving a kick-ass performance. Really good
1: job. Yeah.
0: That pretty much gives you a three and a half right there. Yeah, and
1: I feel like every. Everyone, you know, kind of in stark contrast to our previous episode of The Strange Invaders, I feel like everyone's on the same page, yeah. you know. I feel like any problems that I have with this probably is like conceptual in terms of what's in the book and but, how to translate that to the screen. Sure, but I
0: mean like how cool is it for Stephen King to be like, okay, I had this pseudonym and now I'm going to write a book about the pseudonym yeah. and how I killed the pseudonym.
1: Yeah, Pretty
0: fucking bitching. No, it is.
1: And it takes itself very seriously, you know. I feel like sometimes these things can be a little winky and whatever. And that's not... This movie is not that. And mm. it is... It could be a very silly concept, you know. Because when you're sort of thinking about it, you're like... Eh. Or... Timothy Hutton's portrayal of George Stark could be really mustache twirly, you know, full horse Pinker kind of thing. And he does he get he a little hammy, but it,
0: it works. It does work. In a mm-hmm. scary kind of way. We're like, oh, yeah. he's so psycho that he's kind of laughing at it. And yeah. that makes him even scarier. Yeah.
1: You don't get to see Timothy Hutton be evil a lot. Yeah. And I really, really yeah. like it in this. No, it's really I good. I buy it. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, he's doing like mask work. I mean, it's like because it's like that crazy forehead thing and yeah. the weird eyebrows and the Yeah, like it totally works. He does a really good job. So. I recommend this one. Um, The dark half. The dark half. And now...
0: Uh, next week, we will be talking about one of our very favorite horror movies. We've been
1: wanting to do this one for a bit. We
0: have. Uh, we've been saving it because we got <laughs> to We got to savor it because it's so good. <laughs> Can't do all and the good ones right away. Directed by one of our good friends, Tom Holland. We are talking about 19,
1: nine, 1985's Fright Night. Fright Night. <gasps> it's uh, so good. Yeah. We love yeah. Uh, One of my favorite movie best friends. Yes, um, Evil Ed. Evil Ed is a solid movie best friend. One of my favorite deaths in a horror film is in this film. Oh, there's
0: so much. There's da- vampire dance numbers. Yeah. so much to talk about.
1: There's some amazing... Eighty sweaters, I mean, it's gonna be something. It's so Chris Randon and an
0: 80 sweater is all you need
1: in my in my world. Uh, secret of my success. we um, <laughs> So we'll see you next week guys. We'll see you next week. We're